You tormented souls. <laughs> Sound effects in this podcast is brought to you by Festlian Studios, BattleBars.com, and Pro Sound, and some of them are made by the Dungeon Master himself. This show is R-rated, so everybody be advised. Hello and welcome back to Nordic D&D. This episode is going to be a bit different guys because we're not going to have a normal D&D show but we're going to have an interview show instead where we're going to interview uh, Bastian Mergenbach who plays Kettle. The video version of this interview you can see on the Nerd Hangout YouTube show where we also have uh, Nordic D&D, the Ariana Saga podcast. They are both the same. I am the host for both of them. Uh, the YouTube video is more nerdish. Uh, not only D&D, but all kinds of nerdy stuff, and I would recommend you to check it out also, guys. Nu bruger jeg allerede på et one-shot, hvor de skal tilbage sådan, og forsøge at stoppe hende, eller redde hende. Hey guys, welcome back to the Nerd Hangout. We already started talking about D&D in our Danish language here in Copenhagen, Denmark. Um, as you can see, Bastian Mørkeberg is a player that we have on Nordic D&D. He plays the character Kedal. And as you can hear, he's passionate about D&D. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Yeah, very much so. And I'll switch to English now. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you didn't spoil anything for the guys currently playing your game. Oh, no, I didn't. So, um, (laughs) but I might accidentally. So if Sherebeth, Gorgrim, Jardia, Jade, or, and, or, uh, Oh, he just switched characters because his former character died. Aiden and now Iggy um, is watching. Please tune out now. There's a lot of players. Yeah, I have five players, but oh. one of them, one of the characters died. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, cool. I'm very happy to have you here, Bastian. We're going to talk a little bit about D&D, and we're going to also talk about uh, Nordic D&D, the Ariana Saga, or currently game that we played. Hmm? We're playing and recorded. And, um, I want to talk to you about Kettle, the character yes. we're going to describe a little about. If you haven't listened to our podcast, um, can you describe who he is, what kind of character he is? Kittle is a somewhat naive um, human druid who spent most of his life secluded from uh, from sort of what, what would be termed as normal civilized society. So he spent most of his life sort of being in the woods and being in sort of a major collective where every race and every uh, sort of position were allowed to be in, in, in society. So there was really a sort of a, a what, do you, what should we call a horizontal hierarchy with, with not a lot of authority figures to sort of uh, determine what one had to do. And growing up in such an environment yeah, made him blissfully unaware of how dangerous the world around him was. I, I like I like the pun because uh, he grew up in a safe haven called Bliss. Yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And yeah, in our settings, there is this big slave issue where all halflings have been enslaved by the human empire. Uh, this all is in the, an island called Moro. We have East Moro, we have West Moro, and we have uh, the barren lands of Mid Moro, which is fenced off completely. And where Kettle is from on uh, West Moro, the king's empire is not so large. So it hasn't been that tainted by uh, the things that happen over in the east. Um, but in Bliss, where Kettle has been raised, and you had a character in your backstory called Towergrim. Yes. Which is actually a major player now in 
the entire campaign. Yes. Yeah, which is cool. <laughs> I, I think also the backstories with characters is very important. I take a lot out of them and use them. And I also think that that would give you as a player a sense of that you have put your mark on the story as well when your character has does has does show himself in different occasions. What's what's your opinion about that? About backstories, uh, putting backstories in in games. I just if I if I say how important do you think a backstory is for a character? Well, um, it is very important. I think so. Uh, at least in uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm opinion it is but it is um, it is some somewhat uh, arbitrary whether or not it's sh- it it fits or it should fit into a or it should always fit somewhat into a a DM's mold yeah. but it is arbitrary whether uh, how much a a DM chooses to to sort of uh, use from a backstory in mm. his or her game. <clears throat> yeah. um, although I really like uh, when I DM to, at least when I ask, when I purposefully ask my players, hey, would you uh, write a backstory for me? Mm. Or please write a backstory mm. where you explain like uh, where you're from and what are your motivations yeah. to be an adventurer and stuff like that. If I ask for one, then I feel obliged to use it in my game as well, yeah, yeah. because if I um, if I hadn't asked for one and they still would have written one, mm-hmm. that is cool. That's all cool. But yeah. then they should like know that maybe I have a very like um, uh, set yeah. uh, story that is sort of fixed in in different uh, narrate narrative arcs that I can't change all uh, all too much mm-hmm. with their backstories, yeah. uh, and therefore I wouldn't like put an emphasis on them. Having to write page up and page down about no, 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 no. where they're coming from or, yeah, or whatnot. For, for me, I would say the length of it doesn't matter so much as long as there's information inside. Some characters' names, what 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 is his goal in life, and then there is a, a big chance to implement that in the game. Yes, I You can't guarantee as a DM that your goal is going to happen because it all depends on choices on the yeah, of course, on the, on, on the dice and stuff like that. Of course, but I think also. Also for the player yourself, when you write a backstory, you think about the character, you create the character in your mind, um, how he is, how he acts, what would he do, what does he want, what does he dreams, and that really helps me roleplay him when we show up to a game. Yeah. Do you think it's important, uh, the roleplay aspect of... Oh, in a relation play, to... A roleplaying role game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's very important, but is this in relation to the the whole background issue? Yeah. Um, then, then yes. But that's sort of to pick up from what I said. Um, if a player sort of chooses to, to write their own backstory, if I haven't asked them to, then I just guess or figure it it is because of their own needs to use it uh, in, in role play. Yeah. So they have something to draw upon when they are asked, oh, where do you come from? Or mm. uh, uh, what did you do before we met? Or mm. stuff like that. Then then they have some like frame of reference, yeah. um, which they wouldn't have, have had, or they could like just invent one on the spot. Then it becomes harder to like yeah. have that mutual reference point come later sessions. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, in that in that regard, I think uh, backstories are great, and role playing is also uh, really important. But I think I think this is a like a, a big point of contention because I've been a player and a DM now for a couple of games, mm-hmm. and it is not always that a DM chooses to uh, 
to utilize backstory no. and whether or not uh, backstory should be like a part of a, mm. a a narrative that he sets up. Yeah. And that's uh, yeah, yeah. I think it is. I think it's important that if you ask for backstories to be created and players they they put emphasis on yeah. creating backstories. Yeah. Um, when you've you've asked for it, then it should also be used yeah. for every player in the in the story, like you also did with a uh, with Taugrim and and Kettle. Yeah. Um, because I've also experienced DMs who didn't do that, who asked, yeah. "Oh, would you wouldn't you please like write a backstory or explain all this?" Yeah, sure. But then like my, it's also like an unspoken expectation. Yeah. Um, uh, at least my unspoken expectation is then okay. Then you'll probably utilize some of it at least. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a lot, but yeah. some of it. And sometimes it just gets neglected, and mm. I feel like, yeah. why did I have to put so much work in when exactly. I could could have just like written uh, three or four lines, mm. and that would have been enough for me to role play out yeah, from. Exactly. And I didn't have to like spend a yeah. couple of hours writing this. Mm. In the, in in my uh, setting, I think it was very important because I really want the audience to know the characters from the get go. So in my uh, session zero episode, the first episode, all your backstories are included. So right there, uh, if you listen to the podcast, you get to know Kettle, you get to know what he wants, and then you like can follow his storyline. So actually, the the, the guys who uh, who listen to the audience who listen to the podcast know more what's going on than you know about each other in game, which I think is a cool different aspect of the podcast. There are tons and tons of D&D podcasts out there. Yeah. So I just wanted to make it a little bit different in that aspect. And that also gives me the resource to use that, all the information in your backstory as we go on in, 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 the, in the game, in the storyline. And I know there's so many of us who have created backstories. I've been a player in many sessions also. Uh, and where you make a backstory, mm-hmm. you have an idea for your character. Yeah. And as game, he, he evolves. Like Kettle, he evolved. Yeah, yeah, and and some, sometimes you just can't live up to what you wanted your character to be. No, no, no. Yeah, and I think that's great. Like as you asked before, role playing is a uh, it's an important aspect of of D and D. Yeah. Very important aspect. Yeah. But that's all. That also boils down to the the debate about what is more uh, which of the like yeah. options of mechanics or role play yeah, has to you? Yeah, yeah supersede each yeah. other. Yeah, and I'm actually I think I. I value mechanics more than role play, mm-hmm. but I still, even so, I, I value uh, role play really high. Yeah. But the most important thing for me when I when I sit down and I choose to play a game, yeah. um, that is that there is like rules and yeah. mechanics for me to interact with. Yeah. Yeah. And then when that game opens up the the possibility for yeah uh, role play and uh, interactions and like almost almost open-ended storytelling or shared cooperative storytelling that's great that's awesome but if there are no like if the illusion of the border um or of the like restrictions disappear yeah insofar that i can just do whatever whatever i want and it doesn't really matter even though i roll really low on my dice my dm will just let me succeed or like conversely even though i roll really high on my dice my dm will just let me fail um if that's sort of the balance is way too off yeah, yeah. If, if that, that if that border disappears, yeah. then then the game just it stops being fun for me. Yeah. Even though there's a lot of great interactions roleplay wise, yeah, yeah. I can't really get into them. I'm like, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. I'd, I'd rather just be playing a computer game where yeah. the mechanics are yeah. are solid, or or else just like mm. um, before all of the game started, just say beforehand like mm. we're gonna drop or nix the 
like the rolling of dice and we're actually not going to play uh, D&D mm. but we're going to have like a a impro uh, role playing yeah. session that would also be fine yeah, yeah. it's completely fine then you knew what you were but you know yeah, yeah your share or your like common or collective expectations mm. get set better at that point yeah. because i expect when i go into a game that there are different rules governing that game i think also a good example is actually we play a, a, a game on roll 20 with um uh, with Martin, who plays Hunter in the podcast, where he DMs, it's a Danish game called Notsuan Gote Korime. And there I play a monk, uh, the Baxi monk, and he has been tra- training to be a monk and he has very high expectations for himself. Um, and there also, he wants to be the best monk fighter, but in game, the game dynamics, like, force him to acknowledge you aren't you can fail and he meets that point and he actually becomes very depressed that it does fail and it, it strikes him really hard and i think that it, it's cool that the game dynamic sets those bond, boundaries there because when you are only level one or level three you you aren't the best although in your backstory you want them to nobody can stop me kind of kind of thing huh? and i think i think it's very awesome and it also um puts a good uh carpet for a, a great role-playing <clears throat> um, opportunity for Masakin, the, the, the monk that I play. So if I could just do what I want and there were no rules and don't dice, uh, I wouldn't have that role-play uh, exactly. ability at all. Exactly. So, so that's sort of... And I, I can completely understand um, that my, my view of like a role-playing game that the game supersedes the role play. That mm-hmm. that is actually also in some regards an unpopular opinion because yeah. sometimes uh, a lot of people they, for example, they uh, think that min maxing and stuff like that is wrong. And I do so also. Uh, I share that opinion to a certain degree because it it, it isn't like in my opinion mandatory to min max. But I think it is extremely fun when I find like a combination of mechanics that work together mm-hmm. that uh, you wouldn't have thought of like if you couldn't multi-class or if yeah. you couldn't do other stuff like oh this 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 can work together and it doesn't necessarily have to be the most overpowered mechanic exactly but it but if it's effective yeah. and it's like unusual and something you don't see often mm. um that you use mechanic wise to make your character unique yeah. then i feel very inspired to also create role play aspects yeah. around that, like yeah. okay, uh, how should this like um, swarm dru- no swarm ranger spore druid, yeah. um, which is like a combination. I've also been thinking about a character build because these sort of spore druid um, and swarm ranger thematics can really easily uh, intermingle. Yeah. They they are two subclasses from uh, from Tasha's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah exactly Tasha's cauldron of everything. Um, and how do you sort of intermingle that and use their their abilities together, um, having them fuse in in such a way? Uh, that's that's just re- really cool. Um, and sometimes it can get a bit overpowered, which yeah. uh, can destroy the game if mm. one player is too strong. At least, yeah. When it, when it gets, to, they they are also power builders. I mean, who Google to get the the most powerful tank? out there and you almost can't do anything about it yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for me i don't really understand that I, I think like if it takes away the danger of death uh it becomes boring to me like i said when there are no boundaries you feel you could do anything yeah. i mean 
Just but, go inside. Nothing, nothing's gonna happen anyway. I mean, I, 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 yeah, but but for me, for me, there's also I can't remember another YouTuber who made a great video about. I think it's David Chappie who made a video about also a D and D YouTuber yeah, um, yeah. about the balance is um, uh, is arbitrary as well, yeah. or it it really like it is so DM dependent. Mm. Um, in so far that you can make the most tanky, you can make like the craziest totem barbarian out there yeah. that can take like infinite amounts of uh, of damage. damage yeah. But then you can just introduce him to a mind flare yeah. who deals psychic damage, which is which is his only like um, uh, Achilles heel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and yeah. can stun him via intelligence saving throws, which is yeah. probably also something he's very bad at. So and and. Not only that, you can also just introduce them for an overwhelming force of, of enemies yeah. that would like kill any other yeah, normal yeah. character, but just presents an mm. like a huge uh, what you what you call difficult in, encounter for him, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah situation, but uh, something that he might be able to handle because he has such a powerful build. So difficulty is always yeah. DM dependent. That's also yeah the skill of the DM yes. to, to figure out how how do I balance this game here because. If that scene is set up for the one barbarian, the other players most likely going to be slaughtered at that scene because they can't they can take exactly. all the same damage. Yeah. So there, that would be very difficult. Actually, and to that's that's that out. that's the uh, I think that's also the crux of the the problem with having one guy yeah. like overtly min maxing yeah. compared to the rest of the maybe maybe just like mm. average party. Yeah. Because if that happens, then the uh, the balance will be tailored either to the general party and then it will yeah. be too easy for him yeah. or it will tailor be tailored to him and then it will, yeah. will be will be too difficult for the rest for the rest of the party exactly um so yeah that's like that's a a very very hard balance to strike as yeah. a as a dm at least in my opinion yeah i agree totally agree um so agree. so uh, do you use flaws for characters when you are a player? Yes, always. Um, I think also that's very important. Really, yes. really um, makes gives a crack to your character to roleplay uh, with. I, I think it's very important to have like a flaw because um, it just sets up a scene for you to maybe stumble easier or to make you more unique. Yeah, I have one time an idea to actually make a wizard or a sorcerer. Who had the major flaw of actually being blind? Well, that will exclude you from the like majority of spells. In I the know, game. I know. But if we could discuss with the DM that he could magically, by some uh, some way, see, like he could cast a spell of sight, um, um, and or he would could could um, some magic way cast those spells. By holding another counter, concentration counter, or something like that. But then also you have to exclude all your. Yeah, you, you could also just have a familiar. Where you, you use the, the ability eyes, to yeah. s- to see through the eyes of the that would also be very cool. Sure. Also. but you but but those are, that's that's also like a a point of contention um, where I'm probably on the on the opposite side because I like flaws, but I like flaws um, at least the flaws the the players give themselves as like great ways of role play or yeah. great opportunities to role play, yeah. Yeah. and then I might introduce as a DM mm. some flaws that hinder the, the or create uh, primarily create actually uh, um, not hinder but primarily create um, more opportunities for role play um, that are interesting and that might conflict with some of the players like previous bonds or yeah. ideals or yeah. personality traits yeah. as for example 
uh, we talked about the uh, Curse of Strahd game, yeah. where I had introduced some uh, some of my own like homebrew dark powers. Yeah. And the more the players interacted with them, the more they influenced the players. Yeah. So if they really gave in to the dark powers, they also gave them great boons. But they also gave them a lot of flaws that they had to, and I, mm. I just let my players interpret them. Mm. But if they like completely forgot about them, I just mentioned that you mm. have to remember that you have this. Yeah. So your character wouldn't at least do this if if it was directly contradictory to their flaw. Yeah, exactly. But, but if not, then I would just let them play it out, and it was great. Mm. All of my players used it like um, in in so many different ways. Oftentimes, it also resulted in the rest of the party taking note of. Wow, why has this character changed, or what has happened, yeah, and yeah. and that made for a lot of dilemmas, and you know, uh, untrust or uh, yeah, untrust and, and, and sessions where they tried to cure them and where they wouldn't, where they didn't want to be cured, and uh, yeah. where they have mm. yeah had had to go through that whole ordeal there. So, in my opinion, those kind of flaws are great. Yeah. But if you present, if you as a player at least. At least in my opinion, if you give yourself a huge flaw that has mechanic disadvantages, yeah, like as like, like being blind, because that that gives you mechanic disadvantages, mm. um, then you need to speak, at least in my opinion, to the DM about Almost having definitely. having something to compensate for that. For yeah. example, if you let's say you were you grew up your entire life not being blind but only with one eye, mm. you would still have have disadvantage on like. Ranged attack rolls and perception, and perception, perception checks, checks. Yeah. but maybe because that's also how um, completely blind people usually um, do, as far as I know. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. I hope I don't generalize here, but um, then you you compensate by heightening your other senses yeah, yeah. by being like way better at listening and smelling mm. and and maybe also like uh, the sensory touch, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that could then give you maybe. Advantage on mm. perception checks using hearing and smell yeah, and exactly and maybe also advantage in some other skills or maybe even saving throws to compensate for the disadvantage on on uh, ranged attack rolls. Yeah. So it balances out. That that is fair in my opinion because. But I just think it would be <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I know. But it would be fun to try it out and also if he had this wild magic ability, so uh, he would like throw a spell and then you have to toss the dice and see what the result is on the spell. Because maybe he's been a wizard for a long time and he lost the ability to control his power for each. And then it would be more like if you have an alibi, you just point me at the direction where to shoot and I'll shoot. Yeah. I just think it would be fun to roleplay. Yeah, that could also but be I, cool. I, but I do understand cool. the, 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 the barriers of the flaw. Yeah, but, but like that's also a great part about D&D that... You can choose whether or not you, uh, for example, my opinion of that I think that uh, mechanics are more important than roleplay. That doesn't necessitate that everyone else no, 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 that plays D and D, not and uh, not even everyone else that I play with, have the same like view no. of the game. No, it's I think it's uh, it's such a great game because it just encompasses yeah. so many different. Uh, but there are also so many different uh, preferences in playing D and I mean, like theater of the mind, or playing online, or playing with the miniatures and stuff like that, and role play or not role play at all or just how do you say this killer mo- uh, uh, murder hobo yeah murder hobo exactly yeah. just want to slaughter everything I mean there yeah. are, there, it is so different different uh, types of play and sometimes it can also be hard to balance if there are so mixed group if you don't have a session zero where you don't lay out okay what do we want that's also what I think session zero is very important actually to talk with the fellas and the guys okay what are we going to play what do you want so the DM can balance it out because most likely there's going to be a, a player that maybe can't play with too much role play and maybe will choose another group. 
Yeah. So, I, I, for me, I think uh, Session Zero is very important so people know what they're getting into. Session Zero is extremely important. Um, extremely important. Do you think, uh, which do you prefer, bot modules or homebrew? Uh, oh, you mean, um, oh, so like modules, pre-made modules, yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and to DM or to play in? Both. Okay, then that actually, um, that actually, that, that, that changes things because I have different opinions of both. Yeah. Um, to play in, I actually think this far, how many, like, I've only played in some, uh, some like one shot modules. Okay. And they've, they've actually been play, been great, um, mm -hmm. as, as, uh, as the case is with, um, with the pre-written material. Yeah. But, um, I've also played in a couple of homebrew, like smaller campaigns. Yours, or yours was like a larger one, but I've, mm -hmm. I've also played in a, a smaller one after that or during actually. Um, and and uh, during that, and also Martins, yeah. So that's three. I actually think the the homebrew campaigns I've been in at least is uh, ha has been have been more great because there's been, at least in my uh, opinion. There's been much more flexibility in so far that the DM has been able to to uh, put stuff from my backstory and the other pla player's backstory into the story mm -hmm. and allow that to change a lot around the game. Mm -hmm. um, and that can also happen, of course, in pre-written material. It's a bit harder, though, isn't it? Yeah, but that's that's where I like transcend into my opinion of DMing yeah. homebrew contra mm. or versus. Um, pre-written material because I've, I've tried I actually the first times I tried DMing was homebrew no. and that was uh, that was okay uh, I don't think I did a particularly bad job at least in my opinion my players might correct me. <laughs> <laughs> just tell us in the comments uh, yeah, yeah tell us in the comments <laughs> but um, the really hard part about that was that I had to spend so much more time yeah. doing yeah, like yeah. A lot of not and, and I actually enjoy doing writing yeah. and that you have to enjoy doing a lot of like creative writing and mm. uh, yes yeah, small like boxed text for every encounter of like different scenes and stuff like that yeah. and that that is really fun but for me it just became too much if wow. I yeah it, it became too much work if I yeah. knew I had to like have regular sessions yeah. and I knew I had to have every session at a level that I was comfortable with yeah. DMing yeah. then I needed I felt the need to do too much and then it became more of like a work kind of thing yeah. for me than it was a hobby yeah, exactly. and then I didn't want to do it anymore right. so I transcended from there into uh, pre-written material and I think the uh, like the bulk of the pre-written material material that I've been through I played I've DM'd a lot of like smaller campaigns or um, like where it's only maybe it couldn't even be called a campaign. It's like a series of one shots that are connected. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've played a lot of them, like a whole lot of them, primarily in Adventurous League. Um, I've, I've DM'd them. And then I've also DM'd a major campaign. I DM'd Curse of Strahd. And now I'm currently DMing uh, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. And I think like the, the creators behind these kind of modules and campaigns are great. Yeah. They like they do so much work. Yeah. You have so, all your material right there. You don't have to work so hard, and you just have to read read on it, right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. They do so much work for the DM, and for me, then that means that I can actually spend most of my time when that is already done for me. Mm. I can spend the like the bulk of my time doing 
the the parts of the creative writing that I think are most fun, and that is um, putting stuff from my players, uh, like the interactions they do and the backstories they have, and all of that, mm. um, into the pre-written material. Yeah. So I like I homebrew a lot of stuff in there to fit in. Okay, where can I like make these guys' backstories fit? And then we have a couple of sessions where we talk about like how their backstories are and maybe a couple of things need to change if they need to th- fit in with the locale. But yeah. then we, 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 we talk it out about their backstories and we, we find a great way for them to have like a lot of connection to the world. Mm. And I feel, I feel like that have made a, a great, that, that is a, a huge difference in, in these like long spanning campaigns. Yeah. Um, compared to the smaller one shots that have also been running with the pre-written material because there was a like an adventures league you just meet up you play and you go home and it could be different people coming in and out all the time yeah um that too like compared to the long running campaign where they have like narrative ties to the world mm. that is like it's a huge difference and it makes yeah. For so interesting role playing. Yeah. Um, so I, I I actually enjoy the pre written material more than my own homebrewing, at least until I have more time to do so. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Was the, also in the, the Nordic the Ariana saga, Nordic D and D, um there's lore, there's the entire world to create. I mean and then all the players and we have been playing for um many years actually, because we could only play once a month. And that makes it very long time to to between the sessions. The back, the downside to that is um, to to remember everything that happened, and we want to play as often as we can. the The upside with that is I have time to make all these planning, and I have time to record it and to edit it and then upload it and stuff like that. So yeah, but it's it is a ton of work. How long, Bastian, have you been playing D and D? I've been playing D and D since. The end of 2018, so that is mm. two and a half years, okay. a little more. Mm. Okay, around this time, yeah. Um, do you have uh, just here in Denmark? Do you know anything when it's going to be up and running again? Yeah, I do actually. Um, I know that in Roskilde in Denmark, they are already starting up come the start of May here, okay. so I think the 6th or the 9th. Around that time okay. of May, they they start opening up in a, in a shop called Fanatic, mm-hmm. in a, in Roskilde again oh, with Fnatic with Amazon, live yeah. with live play. Okay, cool. Yeah, again. Um, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything's been shut down now. We're gonna cover it uh, for a long time now. So finally, things are slowly yeah. opening up again. So that is great. That's the great thing about D and D as well. Another thing, um, keep like showering the hobby with praise. Yeah. Um, it is that. You, you can you can play online you can play any format basically and there's of course differences and people get into better like live play and some people are better at getting into live play and other people are better at getting into online play but you can do both yeah. easily yeah. and it opens up a lot of like creative um, opportunities to play as well I've I've downloaded for example a voice voice mod changer when oh. I when I DM online oh, so nice. I can like change the pitch of my voice if I if they meet a dragon then I can go sound like Smaug and yeah yeah, yeah, oh, yeah that's cool yeah yeah so for example that that option wouldn't have been there if we played live mm. even though I still I enjoy playing live more than I do online but yeah. I just think that like that that creative uh, like uh, addition to the yeah. game is so so great yeah I, I, I love understand stuff like that. that I understand that I love think also it, it is cool to play online. 
uh, with uh, all the monsters that they have, that the overview you have, and it's fast to set up and it's fast to quit again. Compared to when I play here, I have to put all my buildings that I built up and uh, then take it away afterwards, and it, take, it just takes a lot of time. So I think there is a pros and cons with it because I think it's very awesome to meet as friends, to socialize over a game and have fun with that. And you don't really have that aspect when you play online. No. Not, not the same way anyway. Yeah. But we play together uh, once every second, second week. Yeah, every in, second in, Thursday. In Martin's game. So if you yeah. are Danish, check it out, guys. Uh, it's very fun and uh, Martin does an excellent job DM that game. If you talk about a little bit about Kettle again, uh, Kettle, before we leave, um, sure. Do you think role playing him in a setting where he has to be uh, interacted with slave issues and doing something about it was that hard role play? Um, do you mean because it's it's sort of a a hard issue to yeah to go about yeah um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I felt the like the tension and the importance of the issue in game as well. Um, yeah. I feel like that that sort of every time issues like that um, emerge, also mm. if it's just like if it's a, a town an issue or yeah. a murder spree or yeah. stuff like that, help it, needed. Yeah, help needed. Every time it it becomes like very serious and it also has ties to some political issues outside. Yeah. Yeah. Then I also feel the tension in game. Um, and I also feel like uh, just naturally playing my character as more tense and serious about handling the situation in yeah, a yeah. in a good way. So yeah, I, I definitely felt that uh, that tension as well. I think also it was very cool. I'm gonna invite Martin also here in another time. He played Hunter, who grew up in the city of Angels Bliss, where slave slavery was normal. I think it was really fun to see him playing a character who actually didn't oppose slavery was more yeah i don't care i'm used to it and then seeing you guys like interact with two different opinions and then just seeing his storyline how uh, he evolves and as character your kettle uh, characters uh, evolve from being this naive guy and then being sent out to the rough world and just see the involvement of of him um, I think you both role-played it excellent. I got a lot of good material for that. And if you want to check that out, how Bastian plays Kettle, be sure to check our show. Nordic D&D, Yayana Saga. I think we're going to stop here for today. Sure. We're probably going to talk another time more about Avengers League, uh, D&D, and what we, we can find out. It's cool. Thank you, Dazelurge. Goodbye. So yeah, this episode definitely was different than what we are used to, but sometimes we're gonna fill the gaps with interviews with the guys from the podcast. I hope you enjoy it, because uh, there is gonna be more of it, but anyway, this was this week's episode. Next week, we're gonna have a normal Nordic D&D, the Ayana Saga, Dungeons & Dragons podcast show, guys. Thank you for today, and goodbye. Thanks for stopping by.